Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Maybe you're doing something right now. Maybe what you're doing is like a job that you're like, I don't want to do this job. It's not the job I desire to do. Some of you right now may have a job or something you're doing. It's not what you really want to do, but it's what God has you doing right now. Don't ever despise what God is doing today because you have no idea how the work that you're doing today plays into the next thing God wants to do. You may be doing something you absolutely makes no sense, you don't like, you can't stand, but you know God puts you there. There are moments when we find ourselves disliking our jobs or our circumstances. We frequently question why God is allowing us to be in this situation at all and why He isn't taking action to set us free. Pastor Bill shares today how every situation you encounter in life will have an impact on you later on. When you reach the level that God wants you to be on, the lessons and values you acquire from your present circumstance will always come back to support you. God gets you ready for everything that lies ahead. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. As he continues his message, God looks at our hearts. I want to be careful as I read a chapter like this, I want to be careful that I'm not someone that's so caught up on externals and not paying attention to what matters to God in my own life and in the lives of other people. And so when we look at raising up people or raising up leaders, you know, I think that the starting point is a heart, a heart for the Lord. I'd rather take five people that hearts are sold out to God than 50 talented, uber gifted people whose hearts are halfway with the Lord. Um, You'll get a whole lot further with five people that are genuinely devoted to the Lord. And there'll be a whole lot more unity among the five, you know. So God says, look, I don't look like man looks. I look at the hearts. I'm going to throw this out there for my single friends. This is why, you know, let's say God brings you someone of interest. You meet someone. You're like, wow, that's a nice, I think, maybe, I don't know. From what I can see, everything looks like it it lines up. They check all the boxes, everything, you know, tall, dark, and handsome, you know, whatever the, the stuff is. Why you need to pray before you this and hear me, hear me on this. Why you need to pray and hear from God before you give your heart away, before you get emotionally attached or connected, before you before you really get given over to it. You want to hear from God because God, your father, can see what you can't see. One, God knows if that's what he wants for you or not. Easy. God, is that what you have for me or not? Is this your will for me or not? Um, God can answer that. God, I promise you guys, I'll tell you guys this. When, and I, can, I, can I talk about you for a minute, babe? All right. Thank you very much. When, when we were just friends, right? We, and and I, I say just friends because we, was, we were not really just friends. She was, she was digging me and I was, you know, we talked every day. We hung out every day. But it was early in the relationship, right? I definitely saw in her, like, I would marry her. I didn't tell her that because she would have ran right then if I said it early on. But I was like, I'm a really, she wasn't, she kept playing me like, I'm going to see how well you, you know, you keep going with the Lord. She kept acting like I might fall away and like I wasn't going to stay saved or whatever. So I I resent that now, you know, but anyway, this is what I did. I remember this. I remember saying I, I liked her so much. I said, God, I have dogged out plenty of people in the past and just living crazy, living wild. I actually really like her. If that's who I'm supposed to be with, I asked God, would you make it clear so that I could just abandon every other thought and just that'll be it. 
And if not, make it clear so that I can leave right now. I don't think she'll be bothered, you know, but I, I pray that God would do that. And this is in that very week. This happened. I'll never forget it. It was actually a Wednesday night. Uh, we went to church. I went to we went, we, you know, met her at church and got to church. Our, our pastor taught out of the old King James, which I can't stand. I don't think these and thou's and all that. I, I just don't I don't do it well. And so we had this Bible that we would do devotions in that was a living Bible that, you know, spoke like, you know, Bible for babies. That was what I needed at the time. I was a baby Christian. She came that night and she had a little manila envelope and it was uh, she said, I got something for you. And she gave this to me and I opened it up and it was a it was a Bible and it was a parallel Bible. Half of it had the old King James so I could follow along with the pastor at church. The other half had the living translation so I could read and understand what I was reading. And I was like that. She don't know this, but I was like, all right, that's my answer. You, this woman is trying to help me grow further. She had a little note in the front of it. And I was like, done. That's, that's that was for me. That was the last I never asked again. I was like, all right, I'm just going to hang out until she understands that she's supposed to be my wife. But I'll I'll always be able to look back. Right. I'll never say, God, I'm not sure if that's what I'm supposed to be with. Now, I know for sure, because I asked way back then and I heard. Then I went all in. Then it was like, now I'm going to go talk to your daddy and everything else. And then we're going to make it happen. But it's really important that we pray and just say, God, direct me. You know what I'm supposed to have and not supposed to have. You can see what I can't see. And it works both ways. Right. Let's say I was let's say I was going to be trash for her. God loves her, too. He can say, no, I don't know if she pray and then you ain't about nothing. God is just I don't know why God is just telling me, no, I prayed about you. And the Lord is like, run, put on your track shoes, go fast. So I'm just going to leave. You know, I just encourage you guys, if you're single and you're waiting on the Lord, fine. And you may meet people of interest. Fine. Always pray and pray before you get tied up. I find people oftentimes after they've gotten emotionally involved and then they're then they're starting to investigate. But now it's like now you can see all the bad and you still stay because your heart's got wrapped up. And so uh, you really want to pray before you get wrapped up. It'll save you years of heartache and unnecessary things and stuff. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. So God tells Samuel, I don't see like man sees. I am looking at the heart. This is something only God can do. God can see beneath the surface. You can stand in a room full of people and all they can see is what you project. Anybody here ever acted like you were doing okay when you weren't, right? And not everybody can tell, but some people may be able to discern. But in, you, you know, you might be able to fool everybody. Oh, I'm good. No, I'm praise God. Praise God. God's good, you know. And you're doing terrible, terrible, spiritually terrible, attitude terrible. You're doing awful. God's like, I, I see your heart. I see exactly what's going on all the time. It says this in Hebrews chapter four, uh, verse thirteen. It says that. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God says, look, everything is naked and open to me. I see everything exactly as it is. And so he lets Samuel know here, I'm looking at the heart and I'm going to show you how we're going to pick this next king. We're not going to do it by looking at physical stature. We did that last time. That didn't work. We had a stud last time and it didn't work out. So we're going to do it different this time because here's the thing. With all the physical attributes and everything else, Saul just didn't have the heart. What I've learned over the years is you can't really teach heart. Some people's heart, if your heart sold out to the Lord, it is. I can't teach that. I can't make that happen for someone. Someone's devotion to Christ, their love for the Lord, they grow that. Their understanding of the cross and what God has done and the depth of that. You can't really 
I can't really make that happen for someone, but you can see where it has happened. You can see when someone's heart's turned over, devoted. I was thinking about this. Um, you know, y'all know I like animals. There's a, I saw this video and a little French bulldog. They're little cute little dogs, little, little bat ears. Um, but they're, this is a, a Frenchie is a small dog, French bulldogs. They're small, but they're, they got big, they got, they got little man's complex, right? In their minds, they think that they're big. So there's a video of these people that live out in the woods somewhere where bears come. There was a bear on the back porch of a whole bear. And this little dog, this big, ran out and ran up on the bear like, what you doing in my yard? And just literally barked and chased a bear. And I'm watching this. this on, they got it on their little ring video. You could Google it and find it on YouTube or whatever. But I'm like, this dog had heart. This dog was like, I don't care how big you are. I don't care about none of that. Like you, you are on my porch and you're going to get off. And this little bitty dog chased the thing off. That's heart. Can't teach that. That, that, that some people just come packaged with that and some don't. And so so moving on, let's look at verse uh, eight now. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither is the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by and he said, neither is the Lord chosen this one. Then, thus, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. I want you to note this about the man that God actually did choose. He wasn't even thought worthy to be brought forth. Right. David was young. Uh, We're going to we'll hear just a moment. He was young. He was he was like the little kid out there with the lowest job. The lowest job in that culture you can have is watching the sheep. You just got to stay outside all day and watch the sheep and stay out there with them. We know David was the lowest on the totem pole in the household. He was not even thought enough of. His dad was like, surely it's not David. Don't even bother bringing him. I'll bring out all the other sons and brought them all out. And the guy that God chose is out there watching the sheep. Um, I find a similarity here. You know, you look at Moses. You, you find several of the people that God chose were out there watching sheep. Right. Those that are going to watch God's people had had the testing of the proving ground of watching somebody else's sheep. David is watching his dad's sheep. Moses was watching his father-in-law's sheep. And so um, something about being a shepherd, uh, it's a really beautiful job. If you guys ever look into it, um, it's intimate. You know, it's uh, the shepherd looks out for the sheep. They actually get a relationship with them. If you guys look this thing up, um, the sheep literally learn the shepherd's voice. And so you could have, let's say that five of us had flocks of sheep. And we were all the shepherds of the sheep. Well, your sheep would literally know your voice. We could have 5,000 sheep out there. You could give your call and all your sheep would come running to you. They learn your voice. You care for them. You sleep at night. You know, you protect them and all these sorts of things. And so that was the job David had. But later on, David would be a guy that God said, now, now I want you to watch my people. I want you to care for people. I want you to care for, I'm going to take it up a notch from sheep. I want you to care for my people. You're going to, your life's going to be on the line at times, just like watching sheep. There are going to be times where, you know, you're going to be at risk to protect them. And David had a heart for that, right? David, there's something God was cultivating in him in this time. And so maybe you're doing something right now. Maybe what you're doing is like a job that you're like, I don't want to do this job. It's not the job I desire to do. Some of you right now may have a job or something you're doing. It's not what you really want to do, but it's what God has you doing right now. Don't ever despise what God is doing today because you have no idea how the work that you're doing today plays into the next thing God wants to do. 
You may be doing something you absolutely makes no sense. You don't like you can't stand. But, you know, God puts you there. Do it with all your heart. Do it with joy. Do it for the glory of God. Do it until God gives you something else to do. You never know how what you're doing today will play into what God intends to do next. Uh, When I was um, at my old church before I got into youth ministry, which I had not planned to do, I was just going to go to Bible college and I thought I was going to finish Bible college and, you know, come do something, come plant a church. That's what I thought way back in 2000, uh, 99, 2000. And when I started Bible college, the classes went uh, started at, I think, one in the afternoon and they went into the evenings. So I didn't want to be a guy that didn't work at all. You know, my wife was like, "Okay, well, then, you know, she was okay with me doing whatever. But I'm like, I'm not going to not work at all. I'm not going to I'm not going to be a stay at home dad. I'm not. I'm going to do something. I need to have a part time job. And I went to church and they said, hey, the ladies in the there's a lunchroom at the school and the ladies have are lifting boxes, hurting their backs. We need a man back there. And I was like, that's perfect. I'll do that. So I took that job. Now I got this job. I left just so you just give me context. Before I left to go to Bible college, I was doing accounting. Best job I had ever had in my young life. I was I had a certain tie job, had an office doing accounting, didn't even deserve that job. God blessed me. But God had me leave that job to go to Bible college. And now I get a job in a lunchroom making minimum wage, uh, serving lunch to high school kids and stocking, going to start going to Smart and Final and Costco stocking the shelves and stocking the Coke machines and snack machines for the kids. And I remember explaining to my mom, my mom was trying to understand why with a pregnant wife, did you leave one job and start? Is it a better job? And I'm like, no, no. Is it, does it better benefits? No, actually, it's no benefits. Is it better hours? It, well, it works out with Bible college. That was the only reason I took it. I'm in this job and you have to know that I'm like, I don't want to do this forever. I don't want to be a lunch man forever. But in that season of being a lunch man, and I was the only guy in there. There was all women, uh, right? All women, I was the only guy in the lunch room. So there was all kind of jokes about that going on. But I was there for a season. And in that season, God had me with these high school kids who I started to see, I love these kids, man. I'm talking to them and hanging out with them. And I did a mission trip and I got to teach on the mission trip. And I come back and they're like, hey, man, why don't you do chapel? And I got to do chapel. And then I then I start teaching chapel and they're like, oh, this guy teaches. And before a year was up, I was full time on staff doing high school ministry, which really I did for 11 years. And when I look back, the segue or the door into that role was lunchroom. And I had a lot of fun in the lunchroom, but I knew that I'm not called to do this forever, but I was called to do it right then. And for that season that I did it, God was like, I'm working something out. I'm setting you don't even know how I'm setting you up. And God was setting up something that would affect the next 10 years of my life and all these different kids that I got to be involved with. Had I been prideful, had I felt like, well, I'm I'm above, I'm not a lunch, I'm supposed to be something great for God, you know, whatever. I might just, I don't know what I'd be doing today, right? That was a great season. And so wherever God has you today, right, even if it's what you don't want to do, if it's where he has you, be faithful with where he has you because God's always setting you up. God's taking us on a journey and we won't understand every step on the front end, but many of the things you'll understand later as you look back. Always be faithful right where God has you. That's all David was doing. Was David planning to be the next king? Was David praying to be something great? David was just doing the job that they gave him to do, taking care of dad's sheep. And we'll find out later, um, he made good use of his time as he had all that time sitting out there. David was out there writing songs and he was loving God and playing, learning how to learn his instrument. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. 
But suffice it to say, David wasn't even thought significant enough by his own father to be brought forth, to be brought out when Samuel came down and asked for all of the sons to be brought out. And so now it says, uh, verse 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the young men? Are they all here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. If you're a note taker, I want you to write down 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 26 and 27 to you. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 and 27, it says this. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, um, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And sometimes that's what God does. God says, I'll, I'll pick the smallest one, the weakest one, just so that you guys, just to put to shame. Those you think you all that, you think you, 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 you guys think in your strength you're something. I'll pick someone weak. I'll pick someone untalented, ungifted. I'll put my spirit upon them and then I'll do through them. I'll blow your mind with what I'll do to someone that'll let me have access to their life. They weren't the most talented. They don't have the best education. They weren't the most gifted. That's what God did with the disciples, right? The disciples got going in the book of action. They said this, that they were unlearned and untrained, but they had been with Jesus. Power right there, right? They said, man, they're uneducated. Why? Because you can't, if you, let's say you're a rabbi back then. You've been to school. You've been to Rabboni school. You learned how to write and all this stuff. You, I mean, you have learned and you were educated. You learn all kind of stuff. And these little fellows from Jerusalem that have been with Jesus come through and they're healing people. You can't heal nobody. They're speaking with power. You can't. Three thousand people getting saved. You can't stir a crowd of ten. And so they're watching. They're saying, man, I don't know what it is. What's the trick? It wasn't school. Right. They're unlearned. They're uneducated. But they've been with Jesus. That was the trick. They've been with Jesus. And they, something you can't make up for that. And so they couldn't glory in education. They couldn't glory in their heritage. They couldn't glory in their background. They were just fishermen. That was not a big deal in the culture. What they had to look and say, man, you know, the big deal about these guys. And it had to, it pointed right back to the one to call them, pointed right back to Jesus. That's why God will call oftentimes the weak, because when people look at what God does, it'll just point right back to him. They'll look and say, wow. It has to be the Lord. The Lord is just doing a work in this individual's life. And so moving on now, Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him for we will not sit down till he comes here. Verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. That means light skin. So David was a he was a, a Drake. He was a light skin fellow. It was a fair skin in that in that culture. This was a positive. It was a, it was a, a attractive trait. He was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him for this is the one. So we get this little description of David, light skin, um, bright eyes and good looking. Does it matter that he was good looking? God just tells us that he was right. All that wouldn't matter because if you're looking for a king, a little cute kid, a good looking kid is not. Uh, he's cute, but we need a king, sir. We need someone that can go to battle. We got Philistines down our necks over here. We don't need a cute kid. We need a warrior. I need a man with some hair on his back, you know. Um, so David was him being a cute kid was not that that didn't fit the bill for king. But God said, that's my guy right there. That, that handsome little kid right there. I got a plan for him. Verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. Get this in the midst of his brothers. What must they have thought? 
right? This little punk brother of mine, man, this kid out there watching. Why is he? He gets it. I want you to get this. This is not a public anointing, but God makes a distinction between him and those that thought the least of him. Among your brothers, I'm going to anoint you in front of everybody. They're going to know that my hand is upon you. And he was anointed in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. That's important because in that day, the Holy Spirit could be given and taken. But we're told here that when the Holy Spirit was given to David, he had it from that day forward. That's not a given because we're going to see in the next verse that from Saul, the Holy Spirit is taken away. The Holy Spirit came upon him from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. And I don't want to skimp over this. It's a big deal that the Holy Spirit came upon him because that would be the power. That would be the power which David would serve the Lord. That would be the power that would enable him to do the things that he would do for God. We don't serve. We're not supposed to serve God in our own might and strength and power. It's under the power of the Holy Spirit. In the early church, Jesus in his in a resurrected body said, wait in Jerusalem. Y'all aren't ready yet. But we've been with Jesus for all these years. You're still not ready. We've had teachings directly from Jesus. You're not ready. We've seen the risen Christ. You're not ready. Wait in Jerusalem until the spirit comes upon you. Then when the spirit comes upon you, this is verse Acts 1, 8. Then you will have power to be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Don't go without this. And they waited. And on the day of Pentecost, they were all together praying and the Holy Spirit fell. Power came upon them. And that's when the church was birthed and power was upon them. So you and I need to be mindful of this, right? Maybe you got gifts. Maybe you got knowledge. Maybe you got education. Maybe you got this. None of that in and of itself is suffice for the service of the Lord. I need I need the spirit of the Lord upon me. I need God's power upon me. And so we pray for that. We ask, Lord, pour out your spirit upon me. Baptize me in your spirit. And you can't pray that without being willing to yield. I can't say, God, it's not like magic. It's not like say, God, baptize me in the spirit. Bam! Like it's like a Shazam. You're going to get whopped or empowered. I got to be careful now. These niggas, new words is changing. <laughs> Stop looking at me, Harmony. Uh, so, you know, the spirit to come upon you and empower you and equip you to do what you can't do in your own might and your own strength. And so we seek the Lord for his power upon our lives. We need God's strength upon our lives. And so I need this on a regular basis. I don't ever come up here without praying, God, please. I sit back there. I'll go to the bathroom, but I pray before every service. God, please. God, please pour out your spirit upon me and do me with power from on high. Give me give me your give me the ability to speak in a way that people will hear and understand your word. I ask him that every week. I don't believe in my ability to communicate the way God wants or what God wants, but I believe in God's power to enable and to equip. And so every one of you, in whatever sphere of service you're in, wherever God has you serving, wherever your gifts are, you ask that from the Lord regularly. Say, God, please pour out your spirit upon me. Give me power in which to serve you. And here's the thing. There's an agreement here. When you pray for God to pour out his spirit upon you, you also need to be willing to yield to how he will direct. The spirit upon your life is power to do but there's got to be a willing heart to you got to be willing to go or it doesn't work. You can't just say, fill me with the spirit. Lord, do something great to my life. And then everything God prods you to do. You're like, no, I'm not going to do that. And no, I'm not going to talk to them. No, I'm not, that's, I'm not doing that. You got to be willing to go in order for God's power to, to have its full work in your life. And so David is from this point on, the spirit of God is upon his life and it's going to be a big deal. Now, look at the next verse, verse 14. But in contrast The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now, some people have trouble with that. They're like, wait a minute. God, distressing spirit from God. 
mm, you know, God did that. Does God send the EBGB spirits? Does God send wicked spirits? So let me explain how this works. First of all, God did take away Holy Spirit from Saul. Boom, gone, which is so sad because Saul had access to everything he needed to serve the Lord greatly. And here's the thing with Saul, because Saul wouldn't yield to the spirit because he wouldn't obey the Lord when he had that. Now it's taken away. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're currently in the book of 1 Samuel. Many of the childhood Bible stories stem from this book. David is a main character, and he came from humble means. He was a simple shepherd boy, but God had great things in mind for him. He was a musician also, and this served him well as he was able to help King Saul. But more than these occupational type of skills, David had a heart for God like no other. God refers to David as a man after his own heart. What a compliment coming from the very creator of everything. This doesn't mean that David was perfect. As we all know, he wasn't. But his heart was continually coming back to God, seeking help, asking for refuge, and coming back with a repentant heart. This is the type of heart God wants from each of us. Do you find yourself looking up to David and his character? If you'd like to learn more about David in 1 Samuel, feel free to listen to more teachings from this series on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this eventful book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today. And Pastor Bill will be back with more in the coming edition of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep your head in the Word and your heart close to God. Then, make sure to come back for another insightful edition of A Transforming Word.